0: Now I say this, brothers, that flesh and blood can't inherit God's kingdom; neither does the perishable inherit imperishable. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Dear Lord, Your kingdom is eternal, everlasting, and imperishable. We recognize that we are unable to obtain heaven on our own. It is only through faith in You, Lord Jesus, that we can access eternal life in light of these things we pray that you would set our mind on your kingdom since we have inherited eternal life in you may we set our minds solely on eternal things may the kingdom glory and righteous word be ever present in our thoughts may your throne rest on the forefront of our minds guiding us in all we do when we stumble and dwell on the carnal things of this world would you redirect our thoughts and illuminate our paths we trust you to do all these things and more in jesus name amen thank you for praying with me today stay tuned now for another episode of stories of the messiah with rabbi schneider
1: The shepherds stood and bowed their heads to Mary and Joseph. They exited the stable, stealing one final glance at the child before they left. The sun began to rise over the hills, painting the sky with hues of gold and pink. Their hearts were filled with an overflowing well of joy. Their contemplative walk slowly turned into a dance of praise and worship. Soon enough, the shepherds were shouting through the streets, their voices raised in worship and faces glowing with a light that drew curious onlookers. Some shook their heads, thinking the shepherds were crazy, drunk, or both. But the shepherds, undeterred by scorn, proclaimed that the Messiah had been born, and they had been privileged to see him. Word began to spread like ripples in a pond, the whispers growing in strength and conviction. The shepherds' testimony, although unlikely, rekindled hope in a few who heard it. If the Messiah had truly been born, then hope for Israel was alive. The testimony reached the ears of some of the servants of Herod, the land's ruler. Their faces paled, their hearts pounding with fear and hope. They did not tell Herod, choosing instead to hold silent, their minds filled with dreams of redemption from the oppression of Rome. Once weighed down by sorrow and suffering, The land seemed to awaken to a new possibility. The whispers grew into a chorus of voices, a community united by faith and longing. In that humble stable, a child had been born, a king who would change the world.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stories of the Messiah podcast. I'm your host, Rabbi Schneider, from Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Together, we have been exploring the Nativity story. Through these dramatic stories, we've placed ourselves in the shoes of Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the magi. Today, we meet a new character, Herod. King Herod maintained a continuous vigilance to ward off any dangers to his throne, with his fears often extending to those within his own family. He was responsible for the deaths of numerous relatives, fearing their betrayal. Though Herod sought to gain the favor of the Jewish population over whom he ruled, He himself was not a Jew, but an Edomite. Rome acknowledged him as a subservient king in charge of Judea. Despite their intense dislike for him, the Jews also respected Herod, primarily due to his architectural achievements, including the significant enhancements he made to the Second Temple. Herod's reign was marked by brutal and aggressive actions. Immediately upon ascending to the throne, he eradicated the Sanhedrin. He executed 300 court officials. He also killed his wife, Miriam, and her mother, Alexandria. He killed his eldest son, Antipater, and two other sons, Alexander and Aristobulus. His rule was a chilling air of violence and fear, reflecting the dark aspects of his character. The Magi are also about to enter Herod's palace. If you've read the Gospel of Matthew, you'll know that news of Jesus' birth will cause Herod to commit unimaginable cruelties. Let's dive into the story. Afterward, we will unpack themes of what it truly means to be a king and how Herod is contrasted with the true king of the Jews, Jesus. The caravan
1: moved through the desert like a river cutting through canyons. Caspar, Melchior, and Belshazzar were at the head of the caravan guided by the star. They moved from endless sand dunes to rugged mountains and dense forests. The path was arduous and the journey taxed even the most robust of their company. As they journeyed west, they began to witness the heavy hand of the Roman Empire. Once teeming with vibrant and simple life, remote villages lay in ruin, their inhabitants either subjugated or fleeing from Roman wrath. Caesar had no need for poor villages that couldn't contribute to the empire. As the Magi walked through the broken-down villages, they realized just how heavy the iron grip of Rome was. Caspar was a man of riches and nobility. Some even referred to him as Solomon Reborn. But as he looked upon a begging family on the side of the road, his heart broke. Stop, Caspar said with a raspy voice. His camel knelt down and he dismounted. He approached the family with a quivering lip. It will not replace
0: what you have lost, but I hope it blesses you."
1: He handed them a leather bag of expensive spices to sell, and a cloth wrapped around a large piece of silver. The father received it and held it for a while in his hand. Mm, hope,' he said with a jaded and weathered tone. Hope is a distant memory. Behind Caspar's long white beard, there was a compassionate smile. He walked back to his camel and mounted it. Before proceeding, he glanced back at him and said, Perhaps hope is closer than you think. With those words, the caravan continued through the winding Judean countryside. Nature was alive with new life. The wind carried the scent of freshly budding wildflowers, and fawns pranced through the grassy valleys. As they neared Judea, the anticipation grew. They felt a pull, a magnetic force that guided their every step the star had led them to Judea, but the exact location of the Messiah was still unknown to them. Tell me, Melchior, Caspar said. Where would a Judean king be born? Melchior pointed to a city glimmering in the distance. Jerusalem, he said, the city of David and home to the temple. No doubt the city will be alive with celebration. The caravan entered the city with pomp. They were hardly inconspicuous, with their camels adorned with purple and chests of gold following them on carts. The rest of their caravan waited outside the city gates to replenish camels and restock on supplies. But the three wise men pressed forward, seeking out the palace of Herod, the tetrarch of Judea. His palace loomed over the bustling marketplace, imposing and cold, symbolizing power and dominance. Herod was indeed a master of deceit cunning as a desert fox. His mind was a labyrinth of political intrigue and deception, honed sharp enough to cut through the Gordian knot of political power that entrapped many rulers. He had an insatiable thirst for dominance, a desire that drove him to impose crippling taxes upon the very people he ruled. Even Caesar Augustus, the master of Rome, quipped that it was safer to be Herod's swine than his offspring for Herod was notorious for slaying any of his children that proved to threaten his power. Word of the Magi's arrival, however, presented an opportunity for Herod. To him, it was a chance to acquire more favor from rich men. He ordered his servants to prepare a feast worthy of emperors. He laid a bounty of food at the table and surrounded them with music, wine, and dances. To the Magi, men of refinement and culture, such a reception was not uncommon. However, something was disquieting about the feast. Belshazzar, in particular, had his guard up. Herod entered the great halls and stretched out his arm. My lords, to what do I owe this pleasure? Herod asked, his voice dripping with feigned graciousness. We seek the newborn king of the Jews. They replied with a bow. The Messiah's star has guided us here, and we intend to honor him with our tributes and adoration. A shiver ran down Herod's spine at their words. Rumors had reached his ears, whispers of a child born to be king. But Herod was king, and no infant would unravel what he had spent decades making. Concealing his inner disgust, he took a measured sip of wine. Ah, yes. He said with a false grin. I have heard rumors of such a child being born. My servants think I do not hear their whispers in the halls. But such news is worth celebrating, is it not? Herod's servants stepped back in fear. The proclamations of the shepherds had reached some of them, but they had purposely hidden it from Herod. Belshazzar steadied Herod carefully. Do you know where he is? Although I have heard rumors, no news has reached my throne. But if it is the prophesied Messiah you are looking for, the priests and scribes may be able to be of some aid. Herod summoned some of the temple priests and scribes. They too were disturbed to hear the news. Tell us, priests, Herod said. Where is the prophesied child to be found? The priests spoke among themselves for a moment. Then replied, Bethlehem, my lord, the birthplace of David, for the prophecies declare thus, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod's smile was a serpent's grin as he raised his glass to the wise men. Then perhaps the rumors hold true, my lords. A new king may indeed grace our land. Glory to God. But his eyes were stormy seas, churning with rage and fear. Should you find the child, uh, do return and tell me, so that I too may pay my respects. The Magi thanked Herod and departed. Herod watched them leave, his smile changing into a snarl as the door closed behind them. Messiah or not? He hissed in a venomous whisper. No one will dethrone me! His eyes blazed with malevolence that recalled the cruelty of Pharaoh long ago. With a cry of fury, he hurled his cup against the wall and summoned his guards. Slay every boy under two! Show no mercy to those who defy me! He slumped back into his throne, his thoughts a whirlwind of paranoia. An infant shall not undo me. He vowed the words a dark oath. The palace seemed to shudder at his command, a foreboding silence descending as Herod's madness spiraled
2: further into the darkness, a void of which there could be no return. This story, inspired by Matthew 2 is a tale that paints a picture of the bleak circumstances in which Jesus was born. The boot of Rome was very heavy on Israel, and those who weren't contributing to the empire were cast aside and forgotten. The appearance of the wise men from the east heralded a fresh sense of hope that transcended the earthly suffering seen in the poverty-stricken villages. The sight of Caspar's compassion for the broken family by the roadside provides a vivid example of this newfound hope illustrating how the birth of Jesus inspires us to reach out to those in need. Indeed, Jesus' coming is a sign that hope is closer than it seems. In our lives, we may face hopeless situations, yet the story of Jesus' birth reminds us that even in the darkest circumstances, hope is alive and can be found in him. The journey of the Magi paints a grim picture of the Roman Empire's cruel dominion. Villages lay in ruin And the impoverished were subjected to the empire's iron grip. But in this devastation, the Magi were led by a star to the place where the true king was born. The kingdom of God is unlike any earthly kingdom. While Caesar's rule brought destruction and subjugation, Jesus' kingdom brought restoration, grace, and justice. The birth of Christ inaugurated a new era where the marginalized and oppressed could find refuge and dignity. The kingdom of God is not built on power and dominion, but love, mercy, and grace. Herod is a personification of the greed, corruption, and evil Israel was oppressed to during that time. Under that politician's smile was a man consumed with bitterness and jealousy. Herod's response to the birth of Jesus reveals the depths of which jealousy and fear can drive a person. Though he initially feigned interest in worshiping the newborn king, his true intentions were soon laid bare. Driven by a relentless desire to protect his power, he issued a horrifying command to slay every boy under the age of two in Bethlehem. This sobering account reminds us of the destructive nature of jealousy. Like Herod, jealousy can blind us to reason and lead us to unspeakable cruelty. It is a stark warning to guard our hearts against envy and to seek contentment in what God has given us. Herod's rule is marked by betrayal and violence, founded in fear and oppression. But the birth of Jesus, Herod a new kind of king, who rules with love, compassion, and righteousness. Unlike Herod, whose rule was threatened by a mere infant, Jesus' kingship is unshakable. In our present age, It's tempting to put our trust in political leaders or ideologies, hoping they will bring about the change we desire. But the story of Herod reminds us that earthly rulers are fallible and often driven by self-interest. Jesus, on the other hand, is a king who reigns with perfect justice and love. In him alone, we find solid and eternal hope. Above all, this passage underscores the incomparable kingship of Jesus. In a world fraught with uncertainty, he remains the unchanging and faithful star to follow. May this Christmas season rekindle in us a fresh sense of wonder at the birth of our Savior and renew our commitment to live as citizens of his kingdom. Join us for our next episode. The Magi will finally behold the king they've been waiting for. The gifts they give will provide us with deep theological insight into the nature of Jesus. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend. We want the story of Jesus to change lives. If you're interested in my ministry, you can visit DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com or check out my book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed, Discovering Messiah in the Pages of the Hebrew Bible. For more engaging and transformative biblical stories, download the Pray.com app.